You're listening to the Bright City Podcast. To hear more about our gatherings, groups, and what's going on in the life of our church, visit brightcity.church or follow Bright City Church on Instagram. Today's message is from Pastor Nick. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Well, hey, a few things before I jump in. Number one, uh, God has blessed us with the next generation, and it is overflowing in the kids' wing. Um, We've got babies. We've got amazing kids. um, Just a lot of good stuff happening in that, and I've known in my own life, uh, I tend to try to get behind like what God's moving in and what he's doing. And he is moving in the next generation. Like we have youth, students, um, we have a lot of things that a typical like urban new church wouldn't have. But just because that's not typical doesn't mean we don't need to get behind it. And so if you are a part of Bright City and this is your church home and this is where you feel like God's asked you to commit your church life with this group of people, um, and if you have kids, all of these things are true for you, uh, I would love to see you at that March 6th meeting. We have an amazing uh, Bright Kids director. Her name's Hensley, and she is going to be paving the next uh just phase for us vision-wise, but also I know the most beautiful thing about the church is when people carry the little bit of the load that they're supposed to be carrying, it feels light for everyone. And then when people don't do that, it feels really, really heavy for a few people. And then what happens is, is they get burned out and then everyone looks at the church as the thing that burns out the people. Actually, what burns out people is when a few people do everything. And what actually burns people out is when everyone does nothing. And so what I would love to invite you into is what God's doing in the next generation. If you're already serving, thank you. We'll see you at March 6th. We'll have lunch and we'll just be able to uh, just feed you and tell you about the next generation. If you are thinking about getting involved, we would love to have you in Bright Kids. I'm telling you, not only is it good for my soul when I hang out with the kids because it reminds me what it's like to be a kid and I'm getting old and set in my ways, uh, but also I just connect with whomever I'm serving with. Like I feel like I'm in and out all the time with people here. And man, when you're stuck in a room and it is you and that those other people against the other kids, your survival is in each other's hands and you uh, bond with each other and you just catch up and hear how their day's going and all that amazing stuff. So anyway... Uh, that's my plug for that. March 6th, we would love to see you there. Um, if literally, if if people, if we all do what we're supposed to do and carry, I think it's like once a month or once every other month, you'd have to serve one service and attend the next service. So it's really, really an obtainable goal. Next thing is, is I know uh, that if, unless you're living under a rock and like looking the other way, you've probably seen what's happened in the news uh, by way of the Ukraine. And so what I would love to do before we move further is I would love to pray for the Ukraine, but even more, this is this is like sacrificial Sunday, like y'all come and ready to sacrifice for God, I hope, um, is I would like to ask you to give to a church that is on the ground and is actually doing the work and has the basically we have through a relationship with someone at the church their parents pastor this church outside of kiev and they had the chance to leave but they felt like they were supposed to stay and so the pastors have stayed and they are sheltering people they literally when i googled the church i was like i'm gonna google and see what's going on there was a write-up about what they preached on last sunday like, like, it gets cold here, 
and like you say the H word hurricane and we're like, nope, we got to shut it down. Things aren't happening. We've got to evacuate. And I just was in awe that they were like, hey, this is a really, really, really horrible time. But what do we do in horrible times? Like we get before God and we get on our knees. And so they're doing that. And so anyway, we are going to send an email out this week in our weekly email. And it's going to have the link that you can give to this church. And literally when someone gave me this link, it's, they were like, it's going to say building fund. It's not building fund. It's going to be a relief. And I was like, I don't care. If it's a building and that's what y'all need, that's what you need to get. Um, if you, you got to rebuild, then that's, that's what you need to do. Then we're with you. And so anyway, the link will come out. If we don't have your email, we need to get your email. You can literally subscribe this time and then unsubscribe in the future. I think it'd be worth your money if you didn't unsubscribe, but that's YDY, you do you. Um, go to the next steps table in the back and they will be able to get you squared away and get you plugged into our email system. And then from there, you'll get the link and then you'll figure out how to give to this church. But anyway, before I go any further, I'm gonna pray for the Ukraine. And here's kind of what we've been praying for specifically. Um, and then I'm gonna read these off. And then what the heart behind it is, is you can carry these things with you into your uh, week. If you need to set an alarm, whatever you need to do, you need to call a friend at this time and pray together, however you need to do it, whatever it looks like. Maybe it's your drive time. You're just gonna spend your time praying for the Ukraine. What we are praying for is peace and provision for the uh, civilians, protection, we're praying that the fear of God and a spirit of wisdom for their leaders. We're praying for energy and resources for the church um, and that the global body would be empowering and unified behind this. That we would, that when we read the scripture and it says, hey, do you know that you're all a part of a body? And so when one part of the body is going through this thing, you're all actually going through it, that we would carry that in our week, that we would, we would be moved to pray for them. So Here's what I would love to do. At prayer in the morning, it's like 8 a.m. and you need to get the juices flowing. And so can you stand with me? And I just, if you feel comfortable extending a hand or whatever, um, but I just wanna stand up as we pray. Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus for the Ukraine people. Father, we pray for your power. We pray for your protection. We pray for your provision. Father, we just pray that you would do what only you can do. Father, I've just been reading Psalm 46 all week, and it just talks about how you stop wars. Like, you can stop them. You break the bow. You break the spear. Like, you can stop them. And so, Father, we are going to be still, and we're going to watch, and we're going to know that you are God. And in the meantime, we're going to give generously. We're going to pray sacrificially, and we're going to be moved to a burden because these, these are our brothers and sisters. And, Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would just be near, that your presence would be near in the dark hours when the sirens are going off and the missiles are coming. God, that you would just be near. God, I pray for a supernatural protection. And Father, we just pray that you would raise up a future church in this nation that is going to be a part of the rebuilding. Father, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. One thing that you might have heard said in your life is you might have heard it said that you should just give up. Like maybe you heard it said, and I don't know how you heard it said, but maybe you've heard it said that, man, times are hard, things are really happening against you, and that you should just give up. In fact, you should throw the towel in. 
Like whatever it is, however it looks, like you should just give up, throw the towel in. Maybe it's someone that looked you dead in the eyes and they were like, man, those bags under your eyes tell a story and I just, I can't let my friends have bags under their eyes. And so in the name of Jesus and the love of Jesus, I think you should just give up or I think you should quit. And maybe it's not someone telling this to your face. Maybe it's you looking to the left and the right and you're admiring someone else's circumstance in life. And you're like, man, we kind of have a similar circumstance in life. We're kind of in the same season and it feels like everything is going right in their life and nothing is going right in my life. Like when I pictured my life, I pictured the 2.5 kids and the white picket fence and the four bedroom and two and a half bath house in my favorite city. And then this person has that dream. They have my vision and I am stuck in a shoebox, not where I want to live, doing a job that I don't want to do. And I certainly don't have my 2.5 kids and I don't have my handsome or attractive counterpart that's going to help me raise these 2.5 kids. And so therefore, I am going to quit. I am just going to give up. And what I find in life is that when we walk through life and when we live our life on this earth, we are going to have a resistance. It might be through another person. It might be through a circumstance. It might be that our things are happening in your life that are really, really, really hard. And we are going to encounter resistance. And we have to know how to deal with that resistance. Like when it comes to that resistance, are we supposed to pack it all up and we're supposed to throw in the towel and we're supposed to give up and move on? Or are we supposed to press through? And I've found in my own life that both of those things can be true. So how do we know which one is which at this time? So when we face the, the resistance that we're facing in our jobs... Like, how do we know when to keep going or how do we know when to pack it in? If we're tempted in a marriage, like, how do we know how to keep going when all we want to do is leave? When we're in a relationship and have children and we want to give the children away and ship them off to their grandparents, like, how do we know to keep going and raising these children? When we're in a job that we do not like, how do we know to keep going in this job, when we're living in a city that we don't want to live in, we actually want to live in another city, how do we know how to continue on and press into life living in the current context that we're in? We will often find times in our lives where we are facing resistance. And what happens is, is that the enemy wants to do everything he can to convince you that if there is resistance, then you should just resign and get out of the way. If you are experiencing hardship in your circumstance, you are out of God's will. Therefore, you need to give up and get back in God's will. And I want to start off kind of with some of the final words that Jesus gives his disciples. And I I think some of you have heard these words. Like these aren't unfamiliar words. But I find is that even though they're very familiar words, we almost feel unfamiliar when it happens to us. And here's what these words are. It says, I have told you these things so that you can have peace in me. So this is Jesus. He's saying, hey, I have told you some things because I want you to have peace. What's the opposite of peace? Stress, anxiety, worry, frustration, weariness, unfulfillment, all these things that we feel every day. But Jesus is like, hey, I've told you these things so that you can have peace. And so what that tells me is that peace is possible. 
And then he continues with these words, and these are probably the familiar words. He says, in this world, you will have troubles. In this world, you will have troubles. And what I love about this is Jesus is not saying peace and troubles are exclusive. Like he's not saying you are going to have peace or you're going to have troubles. What he's saying is I am going to come and offer you peace. And actually you have the potential and the ability to find the most peace in the moments where you feel most pressed. And so he's saying like, hey, these things are not exclusive. He says, in this world you will have troubles, but he says, be brave because I have overcome this world. And what I find in my own life is that I am unwilling to press through the resistance with resiliency, and therefore I am not seeing the victory that Jesus promised. Is what happens is I actually throw in the towel when I face troubles, and rather than feeling the power of Jesus defeating the world, I feel super defeated, frustrated, and despair and discouraged. And so what I find is that I have given up before Jesus has stepped in. Like I haven't given Jesus a chance. I've taken matters into my own hands and I've thrown in my towel. And when I faced the resistance, I didn't press through with resiliency. And because I didn't press through resiliency, I didn't get to see the victory that Jesus promised And then as a result, I have a crisis of faith because I've only experienced the hardship of the world and I've only experienced the hard things in the world and I haven't experienced the powerful work of Jesus. And so then I have a hard time believing in who Jesus is and what he says he can do because I threw in the towel before Jesus could come in and step in and save the day. Does this sound familiar? Like maybe it's you, maybe it's that friend. You're like, man, you just just held on a little longer. Like if you just push through a little longer, like if you just pressed in just a little deeper and instead you've turned your back on God rather than allowing him to step into your circumstance. And so Jesus' promise to us is that number one, you will have hard days. And then number two, you will also have victory. But in order to experience the victory, we have to continue in the resiliency that he has given us and put in us so that we can persevere in whatever God has us in and whatever he's doing in our lives. And so what does that mean? That means that the job that you really, 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 really want to quit, like it's the job that rather than thinking and listening to what I'm saying is you're sitting there thinking about how you've got to show up there tomorrow. There's nothing wrong with that. But rather than throwing in the towel Maybe God wants you to keep going. Maybe it's not a job. Maybe it's a really, really hard relationship. And you're like, man, Jesus, I don't even think you could love this person. Like, they are that annoying. And and you just, you want to give up. You want to move on. Like, you just, just, I can't do it any longer. I mean, marriages, like, here's the thing about marriages. We have the desire for a marriage. And then all of a sudden, as quick as that desire comes, the desire to quit and move on comes just as quick. And so how do we press through? Living in a city that I don't want to live in, first of all, if that's Charleston, you need to repent. This is an amazing city. <laughs> and second of all, like, what if God's not done with you here? Like, like, what if he's still doing the thing in your life? 
Now, here's the deal. There will come times in your life where you need to get out because it's toxic. Like, you need to get out because it's harmful. You need to get away because it is not who it, what it's supposed to be in your life. Like, there are moments when it is toxic. And I find that that's probably like 5% of the time. But 95% of the time, God is wanting you to press through because he's wanting to do a good work in your heart. Like, that's what's happening. Is God is wanting to show up. He's wanting to bring victory. He's wanting to change you to look more like him. And rather than letting the process of transformation happen, you hand in your resignation, you get the heck out of there, and you're like, I'm out of this place. And so how do we discern which one of those spots are? Like, and here's the deal. Like, I, everyone sitting in this room, we're all in different situations, and it's kind of like the weather. Some of you are like yesterday. Like, it's 80 and sunny in your life. You're at the beach. You're having fun. You're walking King Street. Like, life is good, right? Like, things, and that's great. Like, sometimes life is like that. Your life and being good and being blessed and things happening, man, that is awesome. That's amazing. God be with you. That's so great. And then some of you are like the weather today. You were like, what happened? It was just spring yesterday, and now it's winter again. It's cold. I don't want to go to the beach. I didn't even want to go to church. I just wanted to stay in my bed, and it was cozy there. And now I have to listen to someone talk about giving up, and all I, do is, all I want to do is give up. And so there are moments in our lives where we are going to feel the extreme of both. One day we're going to want to press through because it's spring and it's sunny and it's clear. And one day we are going to want to give up because we are defeated and it feels cloudy and we don't feel like we can keep going. And so how do we discern which to do? So the way that we're going to discern which to do is going to be in three words. What, when, and how. You're like, Nick, this is grade school. Why are we going back to grade school? What, when, and how. So let's talk about what first. What does that mean? The what is the thing that God has called you to. The what is the purpose. The what is the calling. The what is the thing that God put in your heart that compelled you to move from that city, to change from that job, to like that person, to marry that person, or to want to like that person, or to want to continue living with that person as a roommate, or wanted to continue to do the thing that you're actually doing right now. This is the what in your life. But here's the tricky thing about the what, is the what always comes with an almost emotional high, not because of what it is, but because of who you've encountered. And here's what I mean by that, is when we get the what, and it is the God what, usually the God is the one doing the calling and telling you what you should do. And so you feel great. You're like, man, I've just heard from God. Like, this is amazing. God has called me, and I have said, yes, this is so amazing. And what happens in a what is that we think the experience that we have on the front end should be the experience the whole way through. But when you look at scripture, you see a people committed to their what, but it doesn't always look out like they thought look like they thought it would. Like here's Moses's what. He was to help a nation get out of extreme injustice and bondage, right? Like there was some doubts. Like when when God called him through the burning bush that didn't burn up, 
Like there was, there was some hesitation. When God asked him to speak in front of people, he was like, no, nah, I don't do that. Like I can send the email. I can write the letter. I can tell the other person to tell the other people, but I do not speak in front of people. And so there was some hesitation, but after a while, he realized that he had encountered God. Like he had encountered the God who saw him, the God who stepped into his wilderness. And he's like, hey, I'm ready if you are. And so Moses, he was called and then he committed with his yes. Here's Paul's what, like this is how certain Paul was. I mean, this is amazing. This is Acts 20, 24. He says, I do not care about my own life. That is not how I feel. I care about others and I also care about my own life. Paul says, I do not care about my own life. He says, the most important thing is that I finish my work. Not that I go home early, not that I quit this job and go to the next job, that I finish my work. I want to finish the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to do to tell the people about the good news of God's grace. Now, this is Acts 20. This is him saying goodbye to the church at Ephesus because he's about to go die. That's not how I'm going out. Like, I'm calling the president, I'm calling the mayor, I'm asking for the pardon, I'm asking for somebody to step in. And Paul, in the midst of all that, is so clear about his what. In the NIV translation, it says, however, I consider my life worthless unless I do this. I mean, that's how powerful a what is. Jesus had a clear what too. This is Luke 4 and this fulfillment of Isaiah 61. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He has chosen me to tell the good news to the poor. He sent me to tell the prisoners that they are free and to tell the blind that they can see again. He sent me to free those who have been treated badly. I mean, Jesus is like, hey, early on in my ministry, I know what God's called me to. I know what he sent me to. Then he continues on in Luke 19 after he's kind of told some people about how we should approach and handle lost people and lost things. He's like, hey, the reason I have come is to seek and save that which is lost. I I know why I'm here. If you're lost, I'm here for you. I'm not not here for the found. I'm, I'm, I'm here for those who are uncertain, who don't really know what's going on in their life, don't know where they belong, don't know how they fit in. Like those are my people. And he caught flack because those were his people. Later on, he'll say, the son of man has come to suffer and die. It's like, whoa, okay. Like when you, when you, when you hold that calling, when you hold that what, I mean, you have to be certain. And so when I'm reading these, I mean, these are people who were so certain in what God has called them to do that they were able to persevere the hardship that they were going to face. Like Moses, he's going to get the people whining in the desert, like all the time, like whiny people. Like God's going to give them quail, like a Michelin star restaurant. And they're like, I don't know if we like quail from heaven. You know, we're not really into the birds. Like we, we like the steak. Like we had steak in Egypt. I, just, I, don't, I don't know about the, the birds. Maybe some shrimp, maybe some, some surf, the turf, the surf. Like I, we're good in that, but the quail from heaven, I don't know about that. How I feel about the desert. It's dry. My skin starts to crack. Like there's just not enough moisturizer. Like I don't know the wilderness. I, I kind of like knowing where we're going. And so Moses, over and over and over again, had to put up with the people and had to put up with the hardship in his calling 
but he was able to persevere because he knew what God had called him to. Jesus hung on a cross. Like, do you think in the garden in that moment, like, I think the blood came because he was carrying the what, right? Like, I, think, I think he's sweating blood because he's like, man, I, I know what to do. Like, it's, it's still going to be hard. It's still not something that's going to come easy, but I know. And he persevered, and he hung on the cross. And because of that is because you and I, we now have grace and forgiveness and redemption and healing. We have freedom. We have all these things because Jesus knew his what, and he was able to press through. So when it comes to your life, do you know what God's called you to? Like, do you have the what? Do you, do you know what the what is? Because here's the deal. If you don't know the what, you're not going to be able to persevere on the hard days. Like, you're going to be like, man, I'm going to pack it in. Like, planting this church, like, there have been multiple times I have wanted to quit. And every time God brings me back to the moment in my car, driving up the five, it was pouring down rain, and I was coming from seminary to get home, and it was really, really late. And I was just listening. I like, I know what I was listening to. I know where I was on the highway. And, and God just lets that moment stick in my head because I don't want to be marked by the hardship that I'm facing today. I want to be marked by the calling that he gave me a long time ago. Like, he doesn't just call you for no reason. Like, you're not just a Christian so you can fit in in the South. Like, you're not just a believer so you can tell your mom you went to church today. Like, God has something that he is calling you to in your life, and are you going to be committed to that calling? And so when we know what God's called us to, that's how we are able to find resiliency in the midst of the resistance. Like, the resistance doesn't necessarily mean you're heading in the right direction. Actually, the resistance means that you might be heading in the right direction or the wrong direction, and now you're heading in the right direction because the enemy is coming against you. You ever think about that? Like, I used to think resistance was my call to pack it in. Like, oh, this is that's not good. God doesn't want that. He doesn't want me to love people. People are hard. Have you ever talked to people? Like, I used to want me to love people because they're hard. And I think the resistance that I find in life is usually more confirming rather than unaffirming, right? Like, man, this is uphill. I must be heading in the right direction. There must be a really good view up that mountain because I'm working my buns off to get up this mountain, and it's really hard, and I'm carrying a lot, but I know what he's called me to, and I know that when I get to the top of this mountain, there's going to be an amazing view. Don't let the resistance deter you from the thing that God's called you to. In the resistance, practice resiliency. And we practice resiliency because we go back to, all right, God, you've called me. What have you called me to? What have you called me to? God, I, I remember you called me to this city. I remember you called me to this job. I will never forget the day that I got this job. Like, you called me to this job, and I was so happy, and now I'm miserable. Did I do the wrong thing? No. It's probably just a hard day. We got to always come back to the what. So when we know the what, we can press through. And then we have to come back also to the when. Usually for me, I don't know if you work this way. I'm assuming most of us do. Is I receive the what from God and then I automatically assume that the when is now, right? 
like, God, I just am so grateful that you have called me to this. And it's been almost 24 hours, and you promised same-day service. I actually thought that meant 12 hours, like it was the same day that I'm awake. But God, you've been patient with me. I'll be patient with you. And so I'm willing to give you 24 hours to deliver my wife or husband. I think that's reasonable. Like, I think you told me, like, it's not good for man to be alone or for uh, women to be alone. And so I just, I've read it in your word. I had this amazing quiet time yesterday, and I felt like you were saying that you are with me and that you see me and you have someone for me. And so that, that was yesterday, and it's today. And so I just, I'm, I'm just wondering if maybe today is your day off. Like, you, you, I understand, like, maybe you need a day off, like, running the whole world, like, all the things. Like, totally understand. And I think too often we put our timing on God's timing. And because we do that and our timings are different between God and us is we give up before God could come through. And so what we have to discern is we have to discern if it's, if it's us and God calling us into a time of waiting, not necessarily us being in the wrong place, at the wrong, in the wrong position, doing the wrong thing. Like if there is resistance and we don't want to wait any longer, then we, we have to really get with God and we have to really know or tr- talk to God and be like, God, am I putting my expectations on this rather than an expectancy that you're going to move tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day? And the next day, when you read scriptures, when you read the Psalms, like it is waiting people and they're, they're written to waiting people, right? Like it's David and he is waiting and he is tired of waiting and he lets God know that he's tired of waiting. And then also he's writing to a people who are waiting. Like Israel was a waiting nation. Like they were waiting on the Messiah. They were waiting on the promised land. They were waiting on the king and the ruler. They were a waiting people. They were waiting for God's redemption. In fact, when you read scripture, I'd be more concerned if you're not waiting on anything than waiting on something. When you read scripture, you see that David was anointed king and it took him 15 years to sit on a throne. I don't know about you, but if I get the job and I get the acceptance letter, I don't want to wait 15 years to start that job. Like I need the paycheck to yesterday, like not even today, like to yesterday. Abraham was promised a child, and had to wait 25 years. Moses was promised to do the things that God had called him to do, and there was a 40-year waiting period for him. I think for you and I to press through the resistance and exercise resiliency, we have to remember that because we are in Christ and because God is our Father and because we are a part of the people of God, that means that we are by identity awaiting people. Like if we're not waiting on something, that's when we should be concerned. Like if we're not waiting and we're just taking matters into our own hands, like that's, that's when you need to be concerned. Like, to be a part of the people of God and to be who God has made you to be, it's in the waiting that we find who we really are. It's in the waiting that we try to experience who God is and what he's doing in the season. I think, at least for me, a lot of times the destination is more important 
but to God, who we become in the midst and on the way to the destination is more important to him. Like he is preparing us for heaven. And one of the ways that he does that is in the waiting. We are awaiting people. And not only when it comes to when are we trying to discern waiting, we're also trying to discern if it's the right season. Like, is this the right timing? Like, is this the right thing for me at the right time? What's interesting about how God works is usually when it's the right what and it comes at the wrong time, it's going to produce the wrong fruit in your life. Like, you, like, we see this in leadership all the time, right? Like, we're so disappointed in leaders, and it's like, man, I don't, I don't know what to say. It was the right thing at the, at the wrong time, and it produced the wrong fruit. I mean, it's just that's, that's what you get. It's like one plus one equals two. And so when it comes to our life, we have to really discern, is this the right season? Like, is this, is this the right time physically for me to do the thing that God's asked me to do? Is this the right time emotionally for me to do the thing that God asked, asked me to do? When we were called to plant a church in 2008, like, we were ready. It was like, let's go, let's charge the hill, let's do the thing. We were taking the trips, we were trying to raise money, we were doing all the things, and then all of a sudden when we moved to try to get ready to make another move, we realized that we were struggling with depression. Like, church is hard enough. Like, can you imagine, like, this is not against depression. This is about pastors who would be depressed trying to lead a people. Like, it's not that pastors shouldn't be depressed, but can you imagine trying to build a church and struggling through clinical depression? Like, I guess it's good to be here. Happy Sunday, maybe. I don't know. So... I guess we'll talk about God or not. Like, I would have been Eeyore behind the pulpit. Like, that's just who I would have been. And it was not right for where I was emotionally, spiritually. Like, sometimes we want the things that God has for us, but we don't want the integrity and character to be in us. We just want the thing to happen to us. So we have to discern and determine, is this the right time? Is this the right time for my family? Like, I'm telling you, this is not the right time for Nick Connolly to work seven to seven and like close the laptop laptop after family dinner. Like I got a two hour carpool grind. Like I got things happening in my life and then my kids are gonna graduate and then they're gonna move out, Lord willing, and into the world. And then that's when I can determine if it's time to work a little bit longer, a little bit short. Like sometimes circumstance determines when we walk into the calling that God has for us. Is it a right marriage time? Is it a right relational time? Like, these are all things that we have to discern. So how do we know? Well, a lot of times provision really determines the, the timing and the destination of things. Like, is God giving us a specific grace for this moment? Is he presenting the opportunity? Well, I, I mean, he's really cute, and he's, like, heard of Jesus, and, I, I like, he doesn't go to church, hasn't been baptized, and he, he, he's seen a Christian fish on a bumper sticker, but he's really cute, and I want to marry him. It's like, ah, I don't know. That sounds like that could be really, really not great for them or you. Like, ah, they're 5% of the way, but I am so cute, I could take them 95% of the way. Like, I can win them for Jesus. Like, we're out to make disciples, right? Like, all nations, all future spouses are in the nations like 
this might not be the right time or the right opportunity from God. What I love about the people of God is they are the ones that help you discern whether or not it's a good time to go. Like you get with a group of people and you're going hard after God together. You're like, hey, listen, I got a horrible job and I want to quit. And I've got five kids and uh, this, we, we have a lot of bills and I just want to quit. And so the, here are the options. Those people around you can say, yeah, that's great. You should just quit. Just, just walk out. Let's, let's do it. Like, just walk out the door. Like, send that email. Don't even give them two weeks. Or you can say, man, I hear you. I hear you. What would it look like to do this in a God-honoring way? What would it look like to wait on God? What would it look like for him to determine when this should happen? What would it look like for him to provide the thing that you need to make the leap while you're doing the thing that you're doing? Sometimes we think faith is lighting the match and watching it burn, but actually more faith is required to stay faithful where you are. Just how it is sometimes. Like it is, like the average person stays in an area 1.5 years because it is hard to stay put, right? Like the newness wears off. Like people start to really see who you are and they like have to love you even though you are who you are. And then you start to see who they are. You're like, oh crap, they're just as screwed up as I am. I should move to where there's no screwed up people and then we can all live together. And then you get there and you realize that they're screwed up people and you're more screwed up than you thought you were. And you gotta start all over again. God is helping you see his timing and everything, but you've got to want to be able to see it. You've got to want to be able to see it. And so when we have the win, when we have the certainty of the win, God, it is time that I know that I need to stay put. I know that I need to press through because you've called me to this. You've determined that now is the season. And so therefore I'm going to press through. So we have to be sure on the what. We have to be sure on the when. God, you, you have ordained this time and this season for this moment, and so I'm going to follow you. And we also need to be sure on the how. Here's the crazy thing about God. He cares about what we do, when we do it, and how we do it. I would even say that the how might be more important than the what and the when. And here's why. is because I find that too many people take the thing that God called them to when, they call, when he called them to it, and they sacrifice character and integrity and waiting on God and trusting on God and following God to do the thing that he's called them to do. They're willing to sacrifice their integrity and sacrifice their character just to see the thing done. When Moses was called to deliver a people, he actually thought it was going to come through his might. Like he killed someone he was so sure of it. He was like, I know how I'm going to get this freedom thing going. I'm going I'm to start killing people. God was like, I don't think that's how I wanted to do this. When Abraham was promised a child, Abraham was trying to figure out all, like he was scheming. Like in culture, we call this hustle, right? Like you got your hustle and then you have the side hustle, but it's not a side hustle, it's actually a job. You know what I'm talking about if you have one. It's a second job or a third job. And so we, we, we celebrate the third side hustle rather than the waiting and trusting in knowing that God is going to do the thing that he wants us to do. And so Abraham, he had a third side hustle. He was like, man, you know what? 
I think God said that he was going to give me an inheritance, but I'm just going to let the guy that works for me have everything. Not only did he have a side hustle, he had a side chick. I, th- I, th- I think that Sarah and I need to get together with our servant, and we need to figure out how the inheritance of all the nations is going to come through her. I think we've solved the problem. God can take the day off. Like, God can just do the, you know, like, he, he can have today off because I've solved the world's problems. And so, so often, we're wanting to do the things in our own power and our own strength rather than waiting on God and trusting him that he's going to come through. And this is just how he wants to do it. This is how he wants to work. This is how he wants to move. Because what happens is, is the how is such a testimony to him. Like, it's such a testimony to him. How did that happen? Well, I didn't know how it was going to happen. God called me to it. He determined that now was the time, and I didn't know how it was going to work out, but God came through. Like, when you think about creation, like, just step back and think about creation. Like, the waves go, come in, and they go out. Like, the stars are hung, and they come out at night, and if it's cloudy, they're still there. The sun comes up every day, and it sets every day. Like, if God didn't care about how, like, we wouldn't have the magnificent creation that we have, right? But he so cares about how. When Israel was wanting a king, Israel early on wanted a king because they saw their neighbors had a king. They were like, oh, that looks good in the driveway. I think I'll take one of those. And so they wanted a king, and they appointed Saul. Well, Saul was not supposed to be their king, but because Israel wouldn't wait and they compromised the how God wanted to do it, God allowed them to persevere through this trial process anyway and take Saul as a king. Well, Saul is king, and one day Saul decided that he was going to be king and he was going to be the worship leader. Like, trust me, y'all don't want me preaching and singing. Like, that's just not how it works. Like, he gives good gifts to the individuals of the church so that one person doesn't have to do everything, like sing and dance and preach and greet and watch the kids and run sound and do all the things. Like, he's got, he's got people to do his thing. Well, Saul was like, you know what? I don't want to wait on God. I don't want to wait on God. I'm going to get this worship service started. I'm going to start leading worship, and this is how it's going to go down, and I'm not going to wait on the Lord. And all of a sudden, Saul decided that he was going to do what he wanted to do, and as a result, because he did that, he was acting in his own independence rather than dependency to God. And because of that, he lost the throne. Like, God cares about how you do things. Like, he cares about how you do it. He cares about how you go to your job. He cares about how you love your coworkers. He cares about how you love your neighbors. Like, he cares about how you serve your city. He cares about how you pray. He cares about the ways that you are going to shine the light in and through whatever you do. Like, God cares about how we do things. He wants us to do it under his word. Like, he doesn't want us to think that we know best and therefore we're going to do our own thing. Like, he wants us to do how he wants us to do it, and he is going to reward his people when they do it how he wants to do it. If you've ever read scripture and you've read the moment that God starts giving the plans for the temple, I'm like, man, did God hang out with Chip and Joanne? Like, did he spend a summer in Waco with Chip and Joanna Gaines? Because he's talking about curtains. He's talking about drapes. He's talking about all these materials. Like, 
He's talking about this because he cares about the how. When we are confident in the how, then we're going to be able to persevere and we're going to be able to be resilient and we're going to be able to do the thing that God has called us to do. So we have the what, we have the when, and we have the how. And here's the hard part. Here's the hard part. If you are uncertain about the what, if it is not the right time with the when, and it is not in the right method in the how, then here's the hard part. Are you ready for this? You are the resistance. Like you are the resistance. The weariness you feel, the joylessness you feel, the tiredness you feel, the brokenheartedness you feel, like most likely that is because you tried to do something in your own time and in your own way apart from God. And here's the deal. It is exhausting to be God of your life. It is so exhausting. But if it's the right what, if it's the right time, and you're waiting on God, then you press through the resistance, right? Here's the most beautiful thing about resistance is that if I would be hearing up until this point, you're like, crap, it's, it's all up to me, right? Like, I got to be tough tomorrow. I, I got to, like, go do the thing tomorrow. I got to put on, like, my big girl or my big boy britches. But the most beautiful thing about resilience, resiliency is, is that the one who is resilient, his name is Jesus Christ, right? And the Bible says that he remains faithful even when we are faithless, right? Like, that's scripture. Like, take that to the bank. Here's the most beautiful thing about that is that same Jesus who is faithful to the end is the one who lives in you. So if you've got your what, like you know what you're called to, you know it's the right time, and you know you're walking in the way of God, you press through the resistance. Do not give up. Do not grow weary in doing good because the harvest is on the other side. Do you want to see the fruit? Do you? That's not rhetorical. Do you want to see the fruit? Like, how dumb is it to do hard things in the name of Jesus to not stay long enough to see the fruit? Like, do you want to see the fruit? Do you want to see the harvest? Do you want to see the God of victory come through? Do you want to see the one who overcame come and do that in your life? Here's the most beautiful thing, is that he has called you to live a life of perseverance, and he is the one that's going to do it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, he is the one who does it. He will do it, not you. I want to close with this, um, this uh, passage from Paul, and I just, I feel like it describes like kind of like a I don't know, this could be your Monday, I don't know. But I love this because I think sometimes when we feel this way, we feel like God's not in it. And so I wanna read this because if you feel this way, I want you to be certain that God's in it. And because God's in it, even though you're facing resistance, you are going to press through and be resilient. Here's what he says. We have troubles all around us, but we are not defeated. We often don't know what to do, but we don't give up. We are persecuted, but God does not leave us. 
We are hurt sometimes, but we are not destroyed. So we constantly experience the death of Jesus in our own bodies, but this is so that the life of Jesus can also be seen in our bodies. We are alive, but for, but for Jesus, we are always in danger of death so that the life of Jesus can be seen in our bodies that die. So death is working in us, but the result is that life is working in you. Here's the deal, is that the resiliency that the world needs to see and what is capable of in living a life in Christ Jesus is going to be seen in and through you. This is what Paul's saying. He's saying, hey, they're going to look at you and the death that you are experiencing is going to be the life that they experience. How amazing is that? You want to shine your light? Keep going. Press on. Don't give up. Keep loving that person. Keep serving at that job. Keep waiting on God. Keep trusting him. Keep knowing that he has called you to it. And because he called you to it, he is going to finish the work. Amen. All right. Stand with me real quick. Here's what I would love to do is we'll have a normal response time so you can uh, be reminded of what to do. But I just want to pray for those of you who feel like you're supposed to give up. Like that you're just like, I don't know how I'm going to face tomorrow. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to do that. I just want to pray a prayer of perseverance over your life. And I just want you to know God is not done. 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 God is not what? It's not done. Father, we just ask in the name of Jesus that you would just help us keep going. Father, I just pray that we would be able to press through on the dark days. Father, I pray that when we face the resistance, we would respond with resiliency because you are in us. You are working through us. Father, I just pray for the hard days. God, may we see you in the resistance. Father, I pray that we would press on so that we can see the fruit, so that we can see the harvest. Father, in the name of Jesus, the harvest is around the corner. It might be tomorrow. It might be the next day. It might be the day after that. It might be the next week. It might be the next month. And God, we are so expectant for the harvest. And because of that, we are not going to give up. We've heard it said that we should give up, but you say to us, keep going. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of Jesus, we will press on. We will persevere. God, remind us of our what. Confirm the when. And God, we wait on you because you're going to do it in the how. Father, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening in to Bright City. If this was encouraging, we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're an owner at Bright City, you can give online at brightcity.church or on Venmo to Bright City. Before you go, we'd love to speak this benediction from Matthew 5 over you. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We love you, Bright City.